Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening. Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam, episode 3.10, and we are live on March 15th, the eyes of March 2012, the Ready to Unload radio program with Cal and Sam. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode. We have a ton to talk about tonight in the world of sports and otherwise. Thanks for joining us. Coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York. And Freehold, New Jersey. And in a little while, we'll welcome in our buddy Hubie, NCAA expert from Brooklyn, New York. We have all of New York and New Jersey covered. We're all over the tri-state area. And now, without further ado, without further ado, let's welcome back and in and over and under my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in rhyme, my partner in the sublime, Calniva Calpino Caliente, Brian Calvi Bry. Hello. Good evening, Steve. Oh, hello there. Beware the Ides of March. We're all going to stab each other at the end of this. Beware the Ides of March. <laughs> Was that your Roman... I was yeah. I was doing that all day, and people were looking at me like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Nobody, nobody seems to know what the Ides of March are. Is that your best Shakespeare right there? Was that no? That was that was a la- that was a lazy Shakespeare. That was a I'm t- that was a tired Shakespeare. <laughs> Beware the Ides of March. That's ladies and gentlemen accepting the award for the worst Shakespeare. <laughs> Who could we have? To, it's too easy to have like James Mason, and also it's 2012, and nobody knows who James Mason is, <laughs> unless you're an Eddie Izzard fan. Uh, who can we have? Who, who? You know who we need for this? We need our producer to give us a quick impression, instant impression. We need uh, pop culture PJ, the Bishop, the Bachelor, the. Vaughn, Vaughn. Whoa, feedback. Whoa, whoa. Who's producing the show? What is wrong with you? That's Ted Nugent doing the Ides of March, baby. <laughs> well, you have to say, machine gun. Yeah, you have to say something. 
bad about Obama? Or, you know, throw that in there. I, I, let me get, let me get another Ted Nugent doing uh, Shakespeare. Let me have it again. <laughs> you refuse? Where's the out- of March, man? I just killed this rabbit with an arrow. Cat scratch fever. I'm irrelevant. Well done. Well played. Beware. Uh, uh, all right. That'll do. You like that one? It is, it is March 15th. It's the Ides of March. Uh, Nobody wants to file your taxes. Beware. Nobody seems to know what it is. Don't put it off. Yes. Are you the ghost of the Ides of March, PJ? <laughs> I'm the ghost uh, of the IRS. <laughs> hey, let me ask you. Let me ask you guys a question while we're talking about ghosts. Teresa and I always have this thing about like, how did Boo become like a ghost thing? Like, how did that become what ghosts say? Like, ooh, Boo, scary ghost. I'm so scary, Boo. Like, why? Why did they decide that that's how ghosts sound? There's nothing scary about that. At least. <laughs> why, right, like why was that the decision that ghosts sound like that? Ooh, I'm, I'm going to have to do an exhaustive uh, cultural literacy uh, search and uh, figure that out. I got another one for you, too, while you're there, Peach. I, I, I've been thinking about this all day because Cal well, and I... Why are you there on that website that doesn't exist? Do right, this. Right. Well, uh, Cal and I have been talking all day uh, and over the last couple of days about what we're going to talk about tonight. There's a bunch of stuff, but one of the, obviously the biggest story in sports right now is the NCAA tournament, March Madness. And Cal and I uh, have lost the fever. I mean, we just have no taste for it right now. And we're wondering, has the NCAA tournament jumped the shark? Or is it us? We're actually even going to have Hubie on, uh, who we've had him on the last two years. He's magnificent, but he is charged this year with talking us into the NCAA tournament, telling us what we're missing, uh, what we need to see. I have charged him. That is his charge. But Cal said, well, the show should be about – and he put you put quotation marks around it, Cal, which I love. Why did two red-blooded – American sports fans are not, you know, who are fanatics are not into the NCAA tournament. Asking him never to return. <laughs> now it's garbage. <laughs> um, <laughs> where does, where does... I always thought this, this show needed that. Sorry. It does. It should be played now every episode. Absolutely. Right, um, where does red-blooded come from? Aren't we all red-blooded? Aren't we all red-blooded? Come Dude, on, just now. Americans. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. Right? Well, it is an election year. So Hey, now. Hey, don't push your politics on anybody, pal. Sorry. We're going to talk politics about a little wango tango. Sorry. I'm so so happy Ted Nugent is here tonight. Um, Are you wearing a bison on your back? I am. (laughs) Wow. You know, the sad part about that is Ted Nugent is somewhere wearing a bison on his back right now. 
He probably you know is. Like, that's not even remotely an exaggeration. That's shooting right. something. Shooting something. That's probably, that doesn't agree with him. Probably. Um, you can kill all you want, but you got to eat what you kill, brother. That's how they do it. Uh, you you mixed in a little Hulk Hogan there, too. With the brother. That's right, brother. <laughs> and I'm in the corner right behind him. PJ you want to You want to see the pythons? Now, wait a minute. Now now you've gone to Ralph from the Muppets. <laughs> Ralph. Oh, <funky>. Ralph. <laughs> Ralph. Rolf. That's what I said. I said. I said. You called him Ralph. I did not. I was very specific. Specific to say Rolf. Uh, Rocket. Playing an A minor and became A minor disappointment. (laughs) Anyway, look up uh, Red Blooded American. I'm on it. Red Blooded and Boo. I'll be right back. Yeah. Ooh, scary ghost. We're so scary. Ooh. Like who? Who decided that's how a ghost talks? I am floating around your head. <laughs> Cal, how have you been? We missed you last week. Good. Good. Um, I had some things to take care of. Absolutely. I know something came up last minute that you had to handle, and uh, we we definitely missed you. But you missed the uh, the Peyton Manning show. Where uh, where Scotty, our buddy Scotty, called up and tried to convince us that the Jets should go after Peyton Manning, and then of course they immediately signed Mark Sanchez to a three-year extension. <laughs> right, like about eight minutes after we finished the show, they uh, they signed Mark Sanchez to a three-year extension. But had you been here last week, just to play a, a little uh, revisionist, could you have been swayed by the argument to get Peyton Manning? Um, no. Not at all. Not at all. Allow me to say that he was very convincing. I'm sure he was, as 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 he's wont to do. He's, he 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 does. Uh, he is very persuasive. He's tough to to uh, disagree with. You feel bad sometimes when when you're on an opposing viewpoint with him. <laughs> he does <laughs> have guilt. Yeah, he does. He has that ability to make you um, make you feel bad about it. Right, like you're wrong. You know, you can you can agree you can we can agree to disagree, but you're wrong. <laughs> but I, in this case, I I would not have been swayed. And I and I was very let, let's you know let's lay our cards on the table here. I was very honest about that even before the show last week. I was I was on the anti Manning you know brigade. Yes. Uh, you absolutely were, and you stuck to your guns. Let's keep with the metaphor, with the brigade metaphor. Uh, you you did not uh, retreat, and uh, you had your men amassed along the front. Now, um, I, I look. I, I want. I do want to talk about that later. I really do. I want to talk about the San, uh, Sanchez extension. I want to talk about NFL free agency because I got to be honest with you, it's more exciting than the NCAA tournament to me right now. Uh, Mike D'Antoni has been fired. Something that no. we've been oh sorry, resigned. He resigned. Stepped step down, dismissed. Good day, sir. You lose. You get twenty five million dollars. Good day, sir. <laughs> uh but D'Antoni is out. D'Antoni is out uh, as coach of the Knicks. And, they, and then what happened? What happened the next night? Right, the next uh, that that night. Forget about the next night. That night. It was yesterday. All right. We we are currently in the next night. Right. They were four hours removed from getting Mike D'Antoni uh, released 
when they uh, put a 42-point shellacking on the Trailblazers and proceeded to classlessly run up the score. I'll tell you that J.R. Smith, he's turning into a good guy. He, yeah. He looks like a high-quality guy. Yeah, character coming out of his ears. High-character high uh, guy. But uh, So we got to talk about that later. I want to talk about the Mets and the trial. Uh, that's very big news. And of course, spring training, you know, everybody making a big deal out of the three and eight record. Uh, mm-hmm. because as everybody knows how you do in spring training, definitely, uh, tells you how you're going to do in the regular season. I mean, like the, like the Arizona Diamondbacks last year who were 12 and 25 in spring training. Oops. Oh, they won the NL West. Oh, my bad. Oh, that's right. Oh, the Yankees who were 13 and 16 last year in spring training. Oops. What happened? Some beat writers are contractually obligated to present negative news at every, every you know, whenever they whenever they need to, and then um, think it's weird that the fans feel like they're being picked on because I'm just presenting the news. Yeah, they can't figure that out. I'm just it's just the news, you know. I don't know why you're so sensitive. Right. It's, it's a fact. So when you send something like they're they're three and eight so far in uh, three eight and one in the uh, spring league, just a game of, out of the cellar. The you, cellar. You're just presenting the facts, right? Right. We're you, we're going we're going to go with the cellar. We're going to call it the cellar in a grapefruit league. <laughs> in a grapefruit league. That's so what we're going with. Okay. We, we we definitely have to talk about that. We have to talk about the Yankees and that rotation. I, I do want to talk. I mean, there's a million things, and then this great story that my buddy sends me at five o'clock today. About the Taekwondo Olympian uh, from uh, oh, what was the country? Sugar. Uh, we'll get to it later. Uh, but uh, the Taekwondo Olympian who, to raise money to go to the Olympics, started a high-class escort service. He did, and that's how he's getting to the Olympics. Well, <laughs> I guess the escort that's one way. I love it. I absolutely love it. But New Zealand, New Zealand. Thank you. Well, prostitution is legal there. Pack our ba- pack our bags. <laughs> Wait, what? what? Um, <laughs> but Cal, I want to talk about the NCAA tournament. Okay. We are at a strange. You and I have been completely on the same page with this, which is funny. Um, for the last you know four or five days leading up to March Madness, I'm not. I can't. I'm not in. I am not in. Like way. More so than in other years. In other years, it's taken me maybe a little while, but I've gotten into it. I've watched the first game, you know, the first uh, day of games, and then I'm into it a little bit. Uh, getting into the pools and the brackets and the thing and the guy, not into it. What is going on, Cal? Has it jumped yeah, the shark? Has it really jumped the shark? I don't. I don't know if it's jumped the shark. I find uh, last year I was I was totally into it for some reason. Well, last year St. John's was in the tournament. St. John's was so that. That might have, you know, in, you know, given me a little bit more interest in it. This year, not not interested at all, and and actually, um, kind of put off by all of the bracketology going into the tournament this year. I agree. You know, I don't mind the games, and and I, you know, I I didn't get to watch any games today. I'm sure over the weekend at some point I will check in on the tournament, and if there's a good game going on, I'll I'll get sucked right into it, and and that won't be a problem. But all of the hoopla and all of the 
overanalyzing that goes on and, and, you know, listening to sports talk radio about who should have been in the tournament and who shouldn't have been in the tournament. And it just, it really, for some reason this year, it really put me off. I have a, I have a word that I want to run by you um, that to me is sort of summarizing what's going on with the NCAA tournament this year. Um, and it's perfunctory. Everything seems somewhat like, okay, we have to have the outrage at the bubble teams and we have to have the bracketology and we like, it's all perfunctory. It, none of it feels genuine, genuine this year. It feels maybe because there's no big player. I don't know. It, it feels very forced this year. Does that make sense? It may, it makes sense. And, you know, it might just be us because every everybody else you talk to is 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 really into it. You know, they're all excited for it. And who was going to watch all the games today and taking off from work? And right. uh, yeah, I just I don't know. And and I I rather than write it off as as having jumped the shark for me, I kind of am looking at this year as maybe an aberration. I'd like maybe. to see how I feel about it next year. You know, right. before before I can say that I'm I'm done with it, but for some reason this year, just a real hard time getting into it. Well, even well, even no, locally, the I'm sorry, the the Big East tournament last yeah. week just kind of happened. It came and gone, and I you know it was very difficult to even generate some interest. Get for fired it. up and in, for it. Yeah, yeah, in the past, that's always been a big a big deal. I I you know I, again, you can break it down into parts. There's the uh, the mass. Uh, cultural phenomenon of bracketology and doing the brackets and your work pools and all that stuff. Couldn't get excited about that. And I'll be honest with you, I have some numbers here. We're going to bring uh, our buddy Hubie in in just a second, but I have some numbers for you, Cal. You know, we do a uh, a pool uh, for work with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year we had uh, over 1,400 participants. This year, only 1,300. It's like a hundred less people entered a bracket this year. That's significant, and you know that's a significant sample size. I feel like, like I feel it just there's just no buzz around it. I don't know, but maybe it's us. Maybe it's us. Let's let's do this. Let's let's bring in. Yes, it's that time of the year. He joins us. He joins us twice a year, Cal. You know that. Yes. He joins us for the NCAA tournament, and he joins us for the NFL draft. Tonight he's on a mission. Tonight he's here to talk us into this year's NCAA March Madness. I must break you. I hope he's been training. If he dies, he dies. If Syracuse loses, they lose. He's gonna, he's gonna do it, Cal. He's been training for this. He's on the top of a hill somewhere, screaming, "Cal and Sam Pete." <laughs> he is Michael Huber. Hubie, welcome aboard. That is. One heck of an intro, fellas. One heck of an intro. Uh, welcome back to uh, to Ready to Unload for the third year in a row for the March Madness special. And I, I got to tell you, Hugh, 
You're on a mission. Uh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> a lot of, uh, a, no a pressure. Lot of pressure. It's fine. So, Hopefully, I can hopefully I can deliver and make you guys believers. Welcome, welcome back, brother. How you doing? What's been going on? You know the same old grind, my friends. Just happy to be talking basketball with you guys. Well, look, I I told you what today uh, tonight was going to be about, Mike. I told you, I told you, Cal and I are on the outside looking in from this tournament. Uh, as far as excitement, uh, we we please. God, we, we, you do such a good job the last two years, uh, have done such a good job the last two years of talking up this tournament. Tell us. What are we missing? <laughs> Why is it not there? Wait, before, Hubie, before you start, I just I need to ask you, have you encountered anything like this before where you've got two ginormous sports fans that are just not into the tournament? When when the question was posed to me, I was frankly I was a little bit baffled because um, I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about it that way. I I always get excited about it, so it, it made me take a step back and say, why would why would Cal and Sam Pete feel that way? And and when I when I gave it some thought, I, you know, I actually I, I, at first my my instinct was maybe these guys are right, believe it or not. Um, I think the reason why it's probably not as exciting is the fact that there is now a ton of parity in college basketball. So the mid-majors that were Cinderella's previously aren't anymore. Um, teams like that's a great Wichita point, State, which got beat, you know, just got beat. Um, and, and teams that you, you thought would come out of nowhere and were fun to watch are now teams that everybody knows about. And, and the thrill of Cinderella is now gone. Everybody's sort of on the same playing field, and I think that's because college basketball has changed. So I think it it, it, it makes it more like a tournament and, and less of a spectacle. And that was sort of my initial thinking when I when I was forced to – to focus on it. But I think what you're going what you're going to see is when you get past the first couple of rounds which everybody tends to focus on, I think you're going to see some really excellent basketball in the second half of the tournament which everybody I think sort of, you know, the first weekend is what gets everybody excited and then they sort of just say they sort of fade away when their brackets go away. But I think you're going to see the opposite happen this year. I think you're going to see more interest in the Elite Eight in the Sweet 16 because there's going to be a lot of really great basketball played. So I think you have to be a basketball fan maybe, and maybe if you're not a basketball fan, maybe you feel like you do. But I think if you like basketball, I think you're going to be in for a surprise as opposed to focusing on the first weekend. Looking All forward. right, so <clears throat> so I'll, I'll tell you two things uh, off your initial uh, uh, statement. One, I'm very impressed. To, to as you were, uh, Mike, as you were talking, literally as you were talking, and I'm and I'm digesting what you're saying. Something else occurred to me um, about Cal and I and and basketball in general, not necessarily NCAA basketball and March Madness. We've been into the Knicks because of Jeremy Lin mm-hmm. this early for the first time in a long time, and. At least I don't want to speak for Cal. He can speak for himself. He's right here. 
<laughs> but at least, at least for me, I was Just a little. I, I, there's only so much room for basketball in my life. I gotta be honest with you, and I think that's contributing to why I'm not, why I haven't been pumped about the NCAs. Because when you started talking about the great basketball that's going to be played in, in you know what they're calling the fourth or fifth round or whatever, but it's the third round. <laughs> You know, when you when you when you're starting to talk about the uh, the, the Sweet 16 or even you know even uh, 32, um, I started to think, okay, you know what, I can get into this tournament because there are some elite teams. There's the Michigan States, you know, uh, uh, Kentucky's there. The, the the teams that you want are there, and I actually like that mid majors are more represented. Cal, I you know, I I think what Mike was saying is is a good point because. Where is the Butler of years past, and where's the Gonzaga that's gonna that's gonna jump up and and really shock everybody? And I I guess I hadn't really thought of that angle until until Mike you brought it up, but that might be part of 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 what's going on here. But I feel like that would be more of a story for later on in the tournament when they start making a run, you know, in the in the beginning of the tournament, these, these first four days. Like what? What is there in these four days other than just a ton of basketball, which is a great selling point in itself? But what is there mm-hmm. for, for a guy who's who's struggling to get into it? What What are we looking for as as we're watching these games the first weekend? Well, I, 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 listen, I, I think you're you're probably selling it a bit short. I think there's still great basketball. I think there's still great endings. I think you're going to see all of that. I think the difference is, is that, you know, it's all come out in the wash now. ESPN, the internet, the blogs, the podcasts, you know, these teams that came out of the, out of the blue that captured your imagination, are, are they're no longer a secret. I mean, I, I'll give you an example. I was thinking about this, um, believe it or not, uh, you know, there was only, there's only one spread in the first round of 20 points or more. Now, in years past, number one seeds would be seeded, they would be, the spreads would be 25 to 30 points, right? And the reason why that is, at least as far as I can decipher, is analytics. Analytics is taking over basketball. So what's happening is, is that there's more stat geeks, there's more exposure to these teams, and, and the world is flattening. And I think that is not as intriguing as, as opposed to a team you've never heard of comes out of the blue and goes to the final four. So unless that happens again this year, and there are teams that still fly under the radar that have that capability, um, the Belmonts, they got right. some of that pub last year. Um, you know, a team like Lehigh could beat Duke. Those are the kinds of teams that have to win, I think, in the first round to get people excited again. Otherwise, it's just – Run in the mill. I mean, VCU is a 12 seed, but they were in the Final Four last year. I mean, right. they won. Oh, hum, big deal. I think you need somebody you've never seen before to win to get everybody juiced up and say, oh, wow, somebody's going to make a run that we don't know about. And there just aren't that many teams you don't know about anymore. You know, right. everybody knows. And that's the yeah. problem. It's it's like you know it's like the NFL. You know you're going to be surprised when a team makes the playoffs. No, no unless it's you know the, the you know unless it's the you know the worst team in the history of, of creation. You know it's 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 it, it, there's parity in the NFL. Nothing surprises you, right? Schedules change. That's the way college basketball is becoming. Yeah. No. And and you two things I want to touch on there, Hugh, and then I want to. Uh, uh, as Cal was saying, like jump in and, and give us like a couple of things to watch for. But two things. 
you hit on two awesome points that I would love to talk to you about. The first one is um, you're talking about analytics, and 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 this reminded me. I just listened to uh, to uh, Bill Simmons. You know, had a did a podcast with Bill James, and they were mm-hmm. talking about obviously talking about the father of saver metrics and stuff in baseball. And uh, Bill James said basketball is actually even more ripe for statistical analysis or the type of sabermetric statistical analysis than baseball is. He said basketball is like the new frontier for sabermetrics. Mm-hmm. You know, or what? And I guess they'll, they'll call it analytics or whatever. So the fact that you uh, and and I, you know, and Simmons was like, yeah, you know, I'm sort of seeing it. Obviously, Simmons wrote the big book of basketball and all that crap, but. Um, it, 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 just to touch on that, and then we'll get back to the NCAAs. Is that what you're referring to? I mean, is that becoming more of, uh, you know, m- more prominent, and and especially with lines and stuff like that? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, for college basketball, there are probably you know it used to be RPI, right? RPI was the thing, and 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 it's probably within the last five years that RPI was always referenced. Well, now if you if you follow college basketball. There's a website called KenPom.com. Ken Pomeroy is now like the guy when it comes to a- analytics. And, and basically, he predicts every game. And you can go to wow. a team's page and you can see, okay, they're going to, pe- you know, BCU is going to play Wichita State. And, you know, he's predicting that Wichita State wins by five points. Well, what's the spread on the game? It's five points. The biggest spread <laughs> is probably ne- ne- never more than a point or two from Ken Pomeroy's prediction. You know, He's an analytics guy, and, and he's a guy that's getting a lot of press, but, but it's happening from a lot of different directions. And it, 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 I think it is changing the way that the game is watched and it's viewed. People are getting smarter. They're getting smarter about who's good, who's bad, you know, what's perception, what's not. And that takes some of the fun out of it because there's more transparency. So you know what you're going to get. And, you know, it, you can see things coming, you know, from, you know, not from a mile, you know, you can see things, you know, coming a lot sooner than you did before. And that's, that's sort of the problem. I mean, there's no surprise anymore. You know that Wichita State's good. You know that Belmont is a top 25 team, according to Ken Pomeroy, even though they're seated 14th. Could they right. be Georgetown? Sure. So before it was like, who are these guys? I never heard of them. Now everybody's heard of them. What's the fun in that? Right, because you you have the metrics there that you can actually right. uh, put and, it together and, and put they're them good, on the floor. Yeah. And they're good metrics. Yeah, and they're good metrics. I mean, his stuff is good. And if you like analytics and you like basketball like I do, it's good stuff. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing, and he's got, you know, very sophisticated yet understandable analytics. And that's, that's interesting to a guy who wants to understand what makes a team good and what makes a team not so good. Right, so he's not he doesn't have VORP? Does he have VORP in there? Because I, I need VORP. <laughs> <laughs> he does not. He does not. VORP? He does not have VORP. It, it, it's much simpler than VORP. <laughs> right. I love everything about sabermetrics. Uh, as far as the names go, just make it sound like it's from outer space. Like they need to. They just. They just need to have you know Bobip and and VORP and like. <laughs> Everything sounds like the guy who who created it is like beep boop boop. We are going to analyze baseball. Like it can't sound geekier or nerdier. Well, I think Bill James. I think I think Bill James is just doing that to screw with us. I think so too. I, I you know what, Mike? I listened to that interview and Hube. I was like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. He he is like the quintessential geek. Like like 
Like he tried to be funny. Like like he was totally the guy that like in high school you're like, dude, what do you? Wow. You know, like he was trying to be funny or like be pals, and like he made like two jokes that were really like off color or like inappropriate or whatever, and you're like, uh, you don't have to. It's like that. It's like you don't have to curse to hang out with us, dude. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it was just like, wow, inappropriate, Bill James. Inappropriate. Not that's not cool. You can't do that. Well, well, you know, it, 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 it might be a topic for another show. I mean, it, you know, this, I was just thinking about this. I mean, the analytics taking the fun out of sports. I yeah, mean, everybody no, I, wants I, to get every. It's everybody wants to get to the bottom of you know why does this happen? Who's the best? Well, once you figure that out, what, what do you need? You know, what do you need to play the game for? You just let the computer run the model. Now, I, I'm an analytics guy. I like to understand, but there are reasons for that. If you want to just watch a game, you know, the computer is not always going to tell you what the outcome is going to be. And I think. Uh, I think there's some of that going on in sports in general. Everybody's trying to understand what makes things, makes things go and, and who's going to win and why they're going to win and by how much. But that takes some of the fun out of it, quite quite honestly. And I don't know if that's what's driving what's, you know, your feelings behind the tournament. I think there's some of the, you know, there's some truth behind the Jeremy Lin thing. If you're not, haven't been an NBA guy for 10 years because the Knicks have been terrible and now all of a sudden they're good, like, there's only so many hours in the day, right? Well, I'm going to watch the Knicks because they're decent or I'm interested and I'm not going to watch something else. I mean, I think that's that's probably a fair point. I Now, all right, so let's let's get to and, – and we're definitely going to do a sabermetric show for baseball. Like we, We've been trying to do the Moneyball show for a year. So <laughs> once once we're in the full swing of baseball season and, like, things are calm and it's, like, you know, May or whatever uh, and the Wilpons are forced to sell the team, after we do that, <laughs> after we do that show, then we, we're definitely going to do a Moneyball show. But uh, let's get into this tournament. Let's – Cal, right? Let's, let's, all right, juice us up a little bit here, Hugh. What do you got, Cal? What do I got? I want I want to know what uh what was the biggest surprise that you saw today other than UNC Asheville keeping the Syracuse game close um which was a huge surprise was was there anything else that went on today uh from a team that won and is advancing that we might want to keep our eye on going forward hmm. That's a good question. Is I, I, you know, <laughs> quite honestly, I, I, I didn't get it. I, I really, I really didn't get a chance to watch any basketball today. What? Um, no, no bas, no, no basketball today. I, I would say they don't give you off. <laughs> that's another issue. That's another. That's another show. Next year we're going to put you on assignment for RTU. We'll pay you for the day. <laughs> And we're going to give you the first day off and have you live, live remotes from like a bar, like Brother Jimmy's up on the Upper East Side. <laughs> Let's go live to Hubie up at Brother Jimmy's drinking on our dime. Hugh? That would that would be true. You, you, you've got a deal. Um, I, I think I, I, I think I think there 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 are a couple things that that stood out from from my recollection. One is you, you don't gloss over Syracuse. I think they're going down. Um, and I think they're going down soon. If it's not the next round, it's 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 the Sweet Sixteen. I I just they didn't play a tough schedule. The Big East was mediocre. They won a lot of games, but they who did they beat and how did they beat them? 
their their best defensive player is out. I, I think they're ripe for the picking, which means they'll probably win the national championship. But I don't <laughs> gloss over that. I don't I don't think it was an aberration. I think that was an indication of what's going to happen to them. Um, I think a team to watch is Murray State. Murray State came out, handled their business. They blew out Colorado State. Everybody knows about Murray State now. They're not a surprise, but they're six seed. You know, they're not. You know, they're not seated three or four. They're middle of the pack. I mean, I think they're a team that can make a run. And, and I think that would be interesting because they've, they've been there before, but they haven't gotten over the hump. I think if they get over the hump, people will get interested. Um, I, I was surprised at Wichita State lost. They're a mid-major that's been analytically been ranked in the top ten all year. And, and they got beat by VCU, Cinderella from last year. Mm-hmm. Um you know, for me, I mean, I think there are other teams that, that can make runs, not necessarily that have played yet today, but will be playing tonight. I think UNLV is a team that can make a run, you know, sort of under the radar, but they're a solid team with a lot of good players. Um, so I think there's still a lot of interesting teams out there and teams that can make that can make a run. So I, I don't think it should be discounted. I think it's it's out there. The interest There's teams out there that can make this interesting. I think it's just there may be a lack of interest relative to, to past years. So, I, I, you know, I think it's worth watching. Have the, have the, can... Go ahead, Hubie. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, have the, have not... the... <laughs> Hubie is going to go here. Yes. <laughs> go. And I was going to say, if you watch any game where J- Gus Johnson does the call, yes. that's worth it. That's right. true. All I was going to say, Hube, is uh, <clears throat> that uh, you obviously have a big uh, stake in this uh, with Michigan State, and 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 for the for the uh, should we tell everybody why? I mean, I don't know if in the two years we've done this, we've revealed this sort of thing. We've never talked about it on air. Well, I I, I think they're at least uh, I mean they're one of the favorites to win the whole thing. They 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 uh, come into this tournament. I think in the in the two previous years, I think this is obviously their best team and their best chance. Um, why don't you tell the people why Michigan State uh, is uh, special? Well, they're 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 probably I mean they're a one seed, but. You probably wouldn't have thought of them as a one seed until the last week of the season. Um, they are up and down loaded. They've got nine or ten guys in the rotation that can play minutes. They've got two extremely under-the-radar big men in Adrian Payne and Derek Nix, who have played exceptionally well this year. Um, they give them big bodies in the middle against teams that have some size. Um, they've got Strong guard play. Brandon Wood is a transfer from Valpo, who you would have never heard of. He's been solid all year. Keith Haplin is is probably one of the most underrated players in the country. Big time clutch player at the point. And then the the guy who should be the player of the year that, uh, but won't be because of, you know, bigger name players like Anthony Davis and Thomas Robinson is Draymond Green, a guy that doesn't show well physically, but he's probably the most polished and well-rounded player in the country, the best leader in the country, and he does it all. He rebounds, he scores, he shoots 40% from three, and he can pass. And I think that's a player that, 
you know, you probably look at it and say, well, he's not playing the NBA, but he will. And he'll be very good. And he's a guy you should watch because he's fun to watch. Again, if you like basketball, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to throw down 360s. And, you know, he's not going to, you know, shoot 25-foot jump shots. He's just a good basketball player. And, obviously, they've got one of the three best coaches in the whole country. I think they're a team that is probably one of the three teams that, that could win it all with Kentucky and Ohio <laughs> State being the other two. Okay, and and one of the reasons I I ask you obviously about them for two reasons, uh, the first of which being uh, I'm excited about Michigan State. I can always get behind a a team that's not Duke or Kentucky, but I, uh, I but I but but a big team, you know, like once I once I have the underdog out of the way, I can sort of get behind a big team, and I want to get behind Michigan State because I love Izzo. And uh, I've always sort of liked uh, Michigan athletics, whether it be Michigan or Michigan State, which obviously means I didn't go to either of those schools. Because because if you went to one of those schools, you wouldn't be able to root for both of those schools. But uh, I, I, I like State a ton. And, and, of course, you are an alumnus, are you not? Um, that is a true statement. <laughs> so I am biased. I am, I am biased. I don't find you to be – I've never found you to be biased for them. I've never found you to well, be that. Uh, I, 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 at, at least on the show. I take my sports very seriously. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the truth about any of my teams. If they weren't good, I'd tell you they weren't good. But this year, they're 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 pretty good. All right. Now give us give us a couple of players to watch, because you you're, you know two years ago you you stole the tournament with the player to watch. You told us a week before the tournament started, and he became the. Uh, <laughs> The kid from St. Mary's, he, and he became the star of the, the show. By the way, what's he doing? Where is he? I think he's playing in Turkey or something like that. Now, is that Honestly, I have no, I have no clue where he is. But but he was that that was uh, that was a uh, one of the luckiest uh, the luckiest <laughs> things I've ever did was throw out his name because he played he played like a man possessed for the first two games of the tournament. <laughs> it looked like I know what I was talking about, but uh, Omar, Sam, Omar, Omar Sam and we hardly knew you. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple of players to watch. I think guys who are going to have a really big influence on the tournament, and they're guys who are not going to do it um, by scoring and, and by doing flashy things. I think the one guy that stands out for me, it, again, if you like guys who play hard, play defense, is Aaron Kraft, the point guard for Ohio State. He gets after it every single play. He plays hard. He moves. He moves his feet on defense. He's physical. He creates steals. Uh, he, tur- he turns the ball over and, and he runs the show. So very good, and they're very under the radar because they lost a few close games this year. So he's one guy that's fun to watch. He's not going to be flashy, but I think he's going to make he's going to make a huge a huge difference. Another guy from a team that I talked about earlier, UNLV, is, is Mike Moser, UCLA transfer, um, big on the boards, um, can put the ball in the basket. Um, they have a lot of seniors. Um, they're a good team, and I think they're flying under the radar. So I, I would watch him. Again, these are guys that are not uh, supremely exciting guys, but they're good players, and they're players that are going to contribute to their teams, uh, their team's success. I think John Jenkins from Vanderbilt, another player, Shoots it from the from three. Um, he's a big time player, and I think if they make a run, 
he's going to have a big part in it. So I, I think those are three guys. I think there's some other guys, too, that you want to keep an eye on. Um, you know, a team I like a lot that a lot of people, you know, aren't as high on is Florida. They've had their ups and downs during the year, but they've got a veteran backcourt. They've got some really strong shooters in their backcourt. Um, and they've got a forward, a sophomore forward named Patrick Young, who's an absolute stud. And I think it could be his coming out party. And if he mm-hmm. plays well, I think Florida can make a run to the Final Four. Wow, that would be that would be now, Mike and Cal and I have been wondering this. Give us give us a couple of second round uh, games real quick that we should tune in. Like we should be looking forward to. Like we'll watch that uh, this game and we'll be into it. We'll be suddenly into the NCAAs. What do you got? Oh, man, the pressure is on. I wish I was looking at a bracket. <laughs> um, I, 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 I think I think the first game you, you look at, it, it, it's 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 not going to, again, it's not going to be a, 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 you know, it's not going to light up the score, but I think but I think Georgetown-Belmont is a great game. Yeah, I love that. I, love, I knew you were going to say that. I want to watch Belmont. I don't know who they are, what they do. I want to watch them. Belmont, Belmont is supremely efficient on the offensive end. They are a tremendous offensive team. They can shoot the ball, they can rebound, and they can score points. And, you know, they're a team that's going to be out there, that's going to move the ball, they're going to shoot it, and they're going to score against Georgetown, who is a grinded-out defensive team, probably one of the ten best defensive teams in the country. And I think, you know, even though it's a closer game on analytical paper, it's still a three versus a fourteen. I think you're going to have a very tight game all the way, and that's definitely that's definitely one to watch. Cal, um, I think it, I'm sorry, Hugh. One sec, one sec. Cal, can we call on? Uh, I'm just thinking about this. Can we call on your hatred of other biggest uh, Big East teams to get you into some of these games? So I'm just thinking about Georgetown. I could I could very easily get behind Belmont in that game. You can I do not like Georgetown. I can get behind any team playing Syracuse. This is what especially, I'm talking about. Especially this year, and that's 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 a good angle to take because I, re, I now obviously St. John's was a non-factor this year. So, um, but just in general, there are when you, when you stick to your home conference, you can very easily get sucked into the rivalry part of it, and and just your 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 natural inclination to root against that team. That could work. That's a way in. That's a way. All right, Hugh, I just wanted to make sure that we had just provided Cal with a way in. Not only in Cal. I'll watch. I'll watch. Thank you, PJ. I'll watch the Belmont Georgetown game without a doubt because I can root against Georgetown too. And so I think that's a great angle. I think that's a game that I can. I can. And it's a what is it? A fourteen and a three. A yeah. fourteen and a three. Yes. Oof, uh, my nudge. Now give us give us another one. You're one for one. I think, well, this game is probably going to be less less interesting to the casual fan, but I think Memphis-St. Louis, for, for basketball fans who, who know a thing about basketball, it's an 8-9, it's an 8-9 game with two highly rated teams, you know, from the analytical perspective. And, okay. um, you know, St. Louis is, is, is coached 
by Rick Majerus, who probably most people know. Um, they play a very, very uh, defensive-oriented style of basketball. Again, it may not be the most exciting, but these are good basketball teams that are going to go at it. And I think the winner of that game, as much as I hate to say it, um, is, is going to give Michigan State a hard time. They're, those are good basketball teams. And I think you know the one thing you could probably talk about is the, the kind of job that the committee did in terms of seeding teams. Um, you know, when you start to measure what they did versus, you know, where they should really be, I think that that transparency is starting to catch up too. I mean, I think they are. I think the committee concept is going to be is going to be extinct in ten years. I think you're going to have computers making those, those, those I think, selections. Yeah. I think it may even be because, five years, you. I think I think yeah, they may do that in like five years. I agree. Yeah, because because you know I think a lot of that selection process is biased, and I think there's a lot of people on those committees who don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah, um, and have, I think once people start to catch up with that, it's going to go yep. away. Yep, they haven't seen the teams play. They haven't seen enough of the teams. They're going by, and and that was the, the big controversy with Cal, right, or with the Pac-10 or, or Pac-12, I should say. You know, as as far as them getting in teams and Iona in the play-in game, I mean, I saw a lot about that. You know. Uh, uh, the idea that they didn't take the did they not take the Pac-12 champion or well they they have to by by definition well, right, the, the regular they, they season in Washington season. right yeah yeah they didn't they didn't take they didn't take the Pac the Pac-12 regular season champion and then you know if you watched last night I mean Al was who is probably the best team in the league got got their doors blown off by by South Florida. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's an example of them getting it right. The Pac-10, the Pac-12 was a was a weak league this year, so they only took, you know, they took two teams. They took Cal, and they took Colorado, who won the conference tournament. And then Colorado plays. Uh, they play tonight against my team, the UNLV. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Pac-12 gone after the first, you know, the first week, you know, the first round of games. So, um, you know, in that sense, they they, they got it right, but. You know, the seedings were, were questionable. Um, I, I think, you know, what you're going to see, is, as I sort of alluded to at the beginning, I, I think you're going to see a lot more interesting matchups in the, in, the, in the third round, as they're calling it now, in the Sweet 16. As some of the, some of the, the rabble starts to get weeded out, um, I, I think you're going to start to see games that are really interesting and intriguing, um, uh, you know, in, in the, the third and the fourth round of this thing, as opposed to you know the first the first couple of days, um, and that's that's not as exciting for the casual fan because they want to see you know big upsets in, in the first couple of days. But I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of great basketball over the weekend, and I think that's it's worth watching and, and, yeah, and seeing some good things happen. And and the last thing for me, Hubie, is. You, the theme of, of the tournament appears to be parity. So when we get down to the final four, or even that weekend, um, the weekend before, you're going to have 16 teams that are left. You, you feel confident saying that the 16 teams that are left are all pretty, not, not that they're evenly matched, but that you're going to get solid games out of all of the teams that are left where the casual fan who might be more interested in the upset early could still jump into the tournament next weekend and, and be pretty confident that they're going to see some, some good basketball going on. Yep. No, I, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I, I think, you know, you can, in, in many instances, you can cross out, you can cross out the numbers, you know, on the seedings. 
And you could see, you know, that weekend you could see a Florida play Michigan State. Michigan State's a one and Florida's a seven, but that doesn't matter. I mean, Florida can hang with them, you know, right. on their best day. Now, will they? I don't know, but they can certainly beat them based on the talent they have on the floor. And you can make that argument. You can make that argument all the way around. I mean, you know, you know, Indiana could, you know, if they make it through, they could play Kentucky again. Well, they beat Kentucky, you know, earlier in the year. And, you know, you could see a team like, you know, even Purdue, you know, in the second round, the third round, play Kansas and beat them. I mean, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that surprises you anymore, which, again, I think is, was fun, you know, in the last few years, but I think that's sort of caught up. I don't think there's anything that surprises people anymore. And I think that's maybe some of the apathy from the people who are watching. You know, I, I think if you, you expect that upsets to happen, what's the fun in it? So I think that's yeah. a recent phenomenon. Yeah, and I think the only thing we really haven't gotten is a 16 and a 1, you know, and that's why I think everybody was so crazy about UNC Asheville today with, with Syracuse and that they had a legitimate chance to win that game. And, and, yep. uh, and, you know, you can make the argument that the officiating was sort of questionable. Um, at least that's from what I, you know, from what I heard, but I, I, Mike last for me, uh, and then we're, we're going to let you run, um, in the, in the final four, do you see it, uh, being very chalk? Do you see the ones all there? We had that, I think two years ago, is that correct? And then last year we had VCU sort of, uh, storming the party, but, do you see, uh, you know, Michigan State and, and Syracuse, and do you see the ones all there? Um, I, I don't. I think Syracuse is a vulnerable one. Yeah, I no, you out. said that. Right, 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 um, right. Yeah. I like Ohio, I like Ohio State. Um, I, I, I still, I still like Kentucky, even though I, I have reservations about them making it through uh, a six a six game tournament uh, with basically all freshmen and sophomores mm-hmm. on the floor but the talent level is so good. I think they, they have to be there. I, I could see easily uh, Indiana, you know, or, um, you know, a team at the bottom of the bracket, you know, beating them. It's not like they are an absolute gimme. I mean, people talking about them as being, a, 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 you know, an absolute lock as a, as a, as a champion. And I, I just, I, I don't see it. I think there's a lot of questions there, uh, particularly at point guard. Um, I think Michigan State gets through, but I, I could also see them losing. I think there's a lot of Missouri's in that same in that same region. I mean, they could they could get there. They're a good team, fun to watch. And that's a team I haven't talked about, but that's a team you want to watch. If you want to, if you're not a basketball fan and you want to watch basketball and you want to have some fun doing it, watch Missouri. They play they play a fast style. They shoot the ball. They score a lot of points. They've got athletes all over the over the floor. That's a team to watch, and, and they're a team that can that can run the table and go through. They've they've been there all year. Um, you know, on the other side, I like Ohio State. I think they're vastly undervalued because of their record, but that really means nothing to me. Are they a good enough team to win it all? Yeah, I think so. And then in the in the last region uh, with North Carolina and Kansas, I think it's it's pretty much a coin flip. I, I think that's a weak region. I think those are the two best teams. And I think you could go either way. So I think it'll be chalky, chalky, but I think there could be, you know, a big, you know, a big numbered seed to, to get through. I think it's possible. I don't, nothing surprises me anymore. I think there is parity. And I think if a 10 or a 7 or a 6 were to go through, it, it wouldn't surprise me anymore because I think it is much clearer to me now that these teams aren't aren't that far apart, you know, from yep. top to bottom. Yep. There's Well, I'll tell you what, Mike, you've talked me into it. 
I'm going to be watching the games tomorrow. I'm gonna, no, I'm serious. I'm going to be I'm I'm being dead serious with you, pal. Like I'm I'm going to be paying attention uh, to the games tomorrow. I filled out one bracket and I literally for the first time in my life took all chalk. I went completely really? chalk. Yep. I just to see what would happen, just to see. I don't know. Just to, you know, just to see what would happen. I went all chalk. And uh but I I you got me interested in uh watching the games tomorrow. So, success, my friend. Well, well done. Hope, you you, you hope, hung with hopefully Drago. It's, hopefully it's the right hopefully it's the right call. Cal, has he, has he has he brought you in, Cal? Can he at least get you to root against Georgetown and like Notre Dame and Syracuse? Well, at the very least, I'm going to feel awfully guilty if I don't get into it now. So, <laughs> so he's had that effect, right? Congrats, he's built us into the tournament. Well done, which is it's, good. It's, it's the it's the it's the benefit of having an Italian mother. You guys know the feeling. Manna <laughs> Jaminga. Uh, you do me do me a favor though. Uh, Cal and I want to get this on uh, the air, and we want to rack it for the NFL draft. Okay, which will be on a Thursday night. Okay, because they do the first round in prime time now on Thursday night, and we will probably do our show as the NFL draft is going on. We I don't know. Well, we haven't talked about that yet, Steve. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. What do you mean? Why are you, why are you airing our dirty laundry? I'm not, I'm, not getting, I'm not getting in the middle. <laughs> but but no, it's just, I, want, inviting I, it. I want to do a live show, and you come and hang with us for the whole time, and we do a live that show. That sounds awesome. That sounds well, tremendous. But, like, watching the draft is, like, three guys who are football fans, like, just watching – or four guys who are football fans, just watching the draft. Now you're on to something. And and just comment. Uh, and it's not a live event. It's not like Major League Baseball or something where we need licensing. If there's one thing I love more than the NCAA tournament, it's the draft. I know it. Yeah. I know it. And after <laughs> after a jet season like I just had, I started looking at the draft boards on like January. <laughs> I started looking at mock drafts like when the Giants were playing Atlanta. I I already I already knew who I wanted in the first round. So you gotta you gotta come on with us. It'll be pretty awesome. Let's book it now. Awesome. All right, Mike. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much, brother. And uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament. I'm gonna play. Your, you know, your intro music was so good. I'm gonna use it on the out. It's so oh, good. Man. I just want to, I want to run up a mountain and watch the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna grow a beard for the tournament, without a doubt. <laughs> Make a really thick beard. I just have a vision of Hubie like throwing around a, uh, a rickshaw <laughs> while he's watching Michigan State. <laughs> Why do I have the sudden urge to to carry a huge tree on my back while I'm watching the games this weekend? <laughs> Hubie, we love you. Thanks, pal. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Let's just let it just let it happen. Let it let it wash over you, bro. If there's better training montage music, I don't know where you find it. I got another one for you. Anybody born from 1971 to 1977? Who has ever worked out a day in their life? 
has this on their iPod for the gym. Uh, it doesn't matter what part of the country you grew up in. Doesn't matter. You have this on your iPod. I, I, I still have the cassette tape. I think. Wow. I have this on cassette. I'm sure I do somewhere too. With living in America, of course, the beginning of side two. 1990. I would say this is probably 90. This is a good time to bring back pop culture, BJ, for a second. No way, man! This is the Motor City Madman. Remember, damn Yankees! That was a great fan. <laughs> was he? A, he was in Damn Yankees. Yes. No, Ted Nugent. Yeah. Who else was in that disgrace? Jack Leeds. Little Tommy <laughs> Shaw. <laughs> I mean, Cal, you're coming up with this way too fast. Tommy Shaw. The sticks. Five foot two. Tommy Shaw. Three apples high. Five foot two. Eyes of blue. That's what I used to call him. I get rid of the Rocky montage music, even though it's magnificent. That was a super band, Damn Yankees. Like Firehouse? Firehouse is not a super band. Oh, what am I? I'm, I'm thinking of Mr. Big. Also a not a super, super band. Yes, it was. was it? Yeah, Mr. Big's a super group, sure. Billy Sheehan, right? Yeah. Uh, who was Please. the bass player for David Lee Roth, among other people. Yeah. It was, uh, that was like a super a super group of studio musicians and guys who read guitar magazines um, went absolutely crazy that it was you know but the general public didn't know that they were a super group. <laughs> so they were like a super group. They were a super group of studio musicians. You're absolutely yeah, right. right. I think was Greg Bissonette the drummer? No. Dude, I don't know. Please. I don't know who the drummer was. I can we, I can we just not discuss Mr. Big, please? I I want to dedicate the show to Mr. Big. No, <laughs> Doctor Doctor Erase that was right. He said, "I can't wait to hear Hubie on tonight." There's no chance you have him on for 15 minutes. Well, that's true, and we knew it, and that's fine. We love Hubie. He did a fantastic job. And he, that- he he you know. He was great, and I hope he doesn't think we were we were mocking him at all. But we were—I really am a little more interested in watching the tournament now. After Can I mock him? him? Sure. You was me. there any was there any team he didn't mention that might make a run and have a shot? But that's the beauty of the tournament this year. There's a that's lot of parity. That's the whole point. There's—it's wide open, so you should watch. It's a wide open field. It's not a foregone conclusion. Ha, huh. says PJ. I, I don't understand how you people do this day after day. I don't. <laughs> it makes no damn sense to me. Oh, why don't you go renovate something? Hey, you have a oh, I'm honest. Can I talk to you about my floor? Sure. You know, Gallagher had a heart attack while you're doing his little voice there, by the way. Uh, no, wait. You know, sometimes I just speak. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon, PJ. Come on. Guy had a heart attack today. It's not right. What, what, what can I do about that? <laughs> you can stop doing Gallagher. <laughs> can I can I get a minute? <laughs> oh, that was actually Ross Perot. What what is what that one? Can't what, finish. <laughs> can't finish. Can't finish. That was Dana Carvey doing Ross Perot. Exactly. PJ, tell us tell us before we start talking about Mike D'Antoni and and getting uh, released unceremoniously, and then we're going to talk about the Mets. 
And all this jazz. The word boo. Yes. You can trace it back to uh, the great people, the Scottish. And oh. it, it was used to, um, to frighten crying children or to startle crying children. Yes, it was traditionally, if your kid was boo? crying and you wanted to get him out of it, you'd go up to him and go, boo! Right, but that's not really my question. I think my yeah, question is do, a little more difficult to find. I think my question is... Ghosts, well, why do ghosts say boo? The English no. oh, started has, to put sheets on their head. He has more. <laughs> and do the same thing. Uh, uh. Then, when you attribute someone covered in a sheet as a ghostly apparition, they naturally started to say boo, because I guess they're wildly unoriginal at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so but now, okay. Hold on. Got it. Red-blooded American. Yes. Red-blooded meaning spirited. The spirited American, the 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 the, the American who's passionate about his uh, nationality and his dog, um, as opposed to like a, a bloated aristocrat. Red-blooded American meaning. You know, the American that is seizing life. Yes, red but still, we all have red blood. You are just obtuse and an <laughs> instigator, and there's no point in ever talking to you. <laughs> Why introduce that. any point to you if you're because just like, well, but the contrary could also be true. <laughs> Shut it. <laughs> I don't even like you today. <laughs> wow. What did you renovate? Did you renovate the bathroom? The bathroom in the uh in the bishop's house has been uh, completely gutted to the beams. A new throne? <laughs> a new throne for the bishop, please. When they were when they were doing it, did you like bring it in? <laughs> like if they ceremoniously like just marched it down the hallway, the new the new throne. Yes, Actually, very good. Bring it in. The uh, the the throne the commode was so heavy I actually knocked myself over with it taking it out of the back of the van <laughs> and it had me pinned on the driveway for about fifteen seconds. Why is there not video of this? I I, I just kept looking around going oh man I hope nobody's around. Cal so now as a consequence I can't walk. But that's a, you know <laughs> right that's another probably take care of itself. That'll pass. Uh, Cal, you're a homeowner. I am. Uh, have you done the bathroom renovation? Yes. And Two of them, actually. Oh, really? And how'd that go? Not well. Let me put it this way. Oh, no. We thought that it would be... Uh, we started the Friday after Thanksgiving. This past Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving? No, no, no. This is This is four years ago. Oh, okay. But we thought, oh, you know, it, we got a long weekend ahead of us. Let's do, let's do the bathroom. Um, so that was the Friday after Thanksgiving. Well, I have a plan I do not have yet. <laughs> Suffice it to say, we were supposed to host Christmas that year. Oh, God. Plans were changed. It went that well. 
Did you did you 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 broke things and took them away and then you sort of ran yes. out of ways to replace them? Yeah, we had the we had the dumpster in the in the driveway and oh boy, you know the the the, the, the tile and and the hardware and everything. I mean, it was a, it was a completely empty room when we were done with it, which was fun. I have to say that part was 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 fun. It was yeah, putting it back together that was. Yeah, Demolition's always fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend that part, putting it back together. <laughs> well did you, maybe, did you just did you discover that you're not a plumber and you're not you know, you're not a carpenter or was it or did did things actually just go wrong? Uh, uh I discovered that things went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm not a plumber or a carpenter. I think had I been a plumber or a carpenter, it might have helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, not having those skills certainly hindered the process, I have to say. Did you have well, to the, call somebody in, or did you just plug at it till it was done? We plugged at it till it was done, and it, and it was into the new year before it was completely done. I admire that greatly. No, don't snicker at that, San Pete. That's I'm not snickering. I'm that laughing. That man, he did not jump ship. That's right. He stuck with it. Saw it through. Stuck with it. God, I love that. A lot of, there were a lot of nights where I sat on a bare floor sobbing myself to sleep. <laughs> in that bathroom. Probably, I doing this? probably nothing tense about that entire time in the house, right? Like everybody's no, it's, free, yes, it's free also, and easy. It's great. That's That's also the perfect time of the year to do that. By right. the way, because between Thanksgiving and New Year's, the, the holidays aren't stressful at all. No, let's just redo the master bathroom while we're at it with two kids. Right, right. It's great. Perfect time. Well, uh, Jay, I, I, I feel your pain. Speaking of perfect time, Cal, the Knicks got rid of Mike D'Antoni. They did not get rid of Mike D'Antoni. Yes, they did. It did not. What? No, they did not get rid of him. He resigned. Do you, did he resign because of pressure, Brian, or did he resign out of his own volition? Come on, he was forced out. Uh, listen, I am I'm going with the the story as it was reported that Mike D'Antoni resigned from the New York Knicks. Well, we found out uh, the other day that uh, in New York sports journalism, um, you know, teams can start a whisper campaign, so they can tell you one thing. Uh, about their uh, actions in a particular instance, and then they will start a whisper campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Right, to the journalists to get them to print what they actually want. Well, if you don't, or if you, you don't aim somebody, yeah, if you don't know that, you don't know anything about journalism. You don't know anything about journalism. That's right. And also, um, integrity and ethics don't enter into the equation there. You go ahead and you take that whisper campaign at face value. You never question the team. No, no, never. You just you just go ahead and print what uh, is going to sell the most papers. Our friend Adam Rubin told us that uh, this week about the Mets. But anyway, I digress. I believe that uh, Mike D'Antoni was forced out. Uh, and you know what? A buddy of mine brought up a great point. If you're D'Antoni at this point, like, don't you feel like you got paroled? Like you get all the money. I, if I was him, I would never even coach in the NBA again. I would go to Italy and like coach a team in Italy and buy a house on the Amalfi Coast 
and relax and enjoy my $25 million or whatever it is and scout a little bit for the NBA and just – I didn't say he should go to medieval London. I said he should go to the Amalfi Coast. No, but this is this is a um, – what you're doing is a PSA right now. That, oh, I'm sorry. The, oh, I'm sorry, PJ. Cue the – Cue the PSA music again. Yeah, I gotta tell you everything. Cue the PSA music again. Hi, this is Steve Sampietro from Radio Unload with Callan Sampietro. Hey, Mike D'Antoni. Take some time off. Go to Italy. Go back to Italy. Enjoy. Get a house on the Amalfi Coast. One thing you shouldn't do is ever coach in the NBA again. And that's the more you know. The one to grow on. That's a PSA. Book it. Hey, our PSA from two weeks ago almost came into play the other day. It's true. Blackface? I'll reiterate. Blackface is never a good idea. It's almost <laughs> never a good idea. Never a good idea. That's right. That's right. We had a friend who got in a little trouble with the blackface. Uh, very innocently enough. Yeah, let's move on. Do you think that this was um, coming... Cal, do you think that there will be a different uh, – do you think – all right, let me start at the top. Do you think the season is salvageable for the Knicks? Well, if you watched the game last night, it, it certainly seems like it. They were skipping around like, like uh, they had been paroled, that team. I, but, I mean, is that just a bad Blazers team? Is that uh, – yeah, the Blazers have a better record than the Knicks. Yeah, but they they they've been struggling. They're trying to trade. They made it was trade forty two forty two point win though. Well, I don't I don't care I don't care how bad you are. That's a forty two point win is is significant. I think what you saw last night was Carmelo sort of skipping skipping to the loo, uh, very excited uh, to sort of be rid of the the system. Is is Woodson going to run a vastly different system, Bry? I think so. I think. His system is going to run the ball through Carmelo and and Amare a lot more than D'Antoni's system, which is which is driven by the point guard strictly. Right. You know, so I it's mean, going to be a different system. It, what they were. This is fascinating to me because I I want to see. I'm always fascinated in sports, in professional sports, when uh, the old adage "you can't fire the players" comes into play. Right, so they make a change on the manager, uh, manager or coach, and all of a sudden there's a significant difference in the way the team plays. And you know the old adage is true: you can't fire the players. So sometimes you have to change the the guy at the top. And in basketball, because it's you know it's five guys, it's a ten man rotation, you, you can change the players a lot. <laughs> you actually can fire the players. Right. I think in this instance they chose to fire the coach, but I'm always interested to see what you know the two sides of the tale. The the, the famous uh, example of this to me is Jack McKeon with the Marlins in '03, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they were obviously a vastly underachieving team, but you couldn't fire the players, so they fired the manager, and everybody was like, "Yeah, that's really going to make a difference." And then 89 year old Jack Mitwatt, he was 82. Jack McKeon comes in and takes over, and they go and win the World Series. I think he was 72, actually. Hey, but. he was 114. doesn't make a difference. He was very old, out of touch with reality. No, but he, he was not supposed to do anything. But that was, <laughs> that was uh, an example to me of they would have rather have fired the players 
They couldn't. They made a managing change just to make a change, and then they won a World Series. You know, they brought in a guy who was supposed to be a stopgap and just get them through the season, and they won a World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see what happens here with uh, them uh, and Mike D'Antoni parting ways. Is that better for you? The two sides parting ways, is that is that better? Yeah, I mean, it, it was probably a mutual thing. And I think it was a thing to to allow D'Antoni to save face and leave with some money rather than, you know, him walking away from the contract, which he would have gotten nothing, um, or the Knicks embarrassing him by firing him. I think they came up with with this uh, solution. But I I think that he certainly didn't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And why would he? Again, it's been a circus since he got here. Uh, even bringing Carmelo in, this is now truly Carmelo's team. You know, uh, uh, Francesca brought up a really good point today, and I agree with this. You don't want to become known as a coach killer, you know, as a player. You don't want to be Stefan Marbury. You don't want to be that guy who, like, everywhere you go, you're a problem. Right. And I think that's in Carmelo's head. You know, you sometimes sort of forget how young Carmelo is, or at least I do. Because I feel like he's been on the scene because of his Syracuse year and stuff. Like, you feel like he's been on the scene, and he has been locally for a long time. Right. You know, since he's 19 years old, you know. But he's not that old. Right? What is he, 28? 27? Yeah, I don't know how old he is. Uh, But, you know, it, it just... Carmelo feels older. It feels like he's been around for much longer. You know, I think another another thing with Carmelo is I, I think we're seeing signs that he's a pretty sensitive guy. Yeah. And he kind of allows the criticism to get to him. And I think what happened in this case is when the Knicks went on that run with Jeremy Lin and they won seven in a row or they won eight out of nine and Carmelo was on the bench, all he heard was, well, he better not screw this up when he comes back. You know, he's Carmelo's going to come back and he's going to mess up with the good thing that's going on. You watch, just you watch. And I think that it was so in his head to not come back and mess it up and to be able to seamlessly transition back into the lineup that he overplayed it, you know, and, and, and it just made everybody uncomfortable because he went completely in the opposite direction to try not to screw it up. And he completely got taken out of his own game. Tremendous so I, point. Totally. You know, so I re- so I really I really think that that had a lot to do with what was going on. He's he just seems seems to be kind of sensitive to that stuff. I don't blame him. I mean, he's a human being. It's not that you know he's not a, a programmed cyborg basketball player to go out there and you know devoid of all emotion. So I I can see why that would have happened, but. Yeah, I t- I, did we lose Cal? I would be very... There we go. You're back. Sorry, you were frozen yeah. for a second. Go ahead. I was. Yes. Go on. What, what was the last Cal. thing you heard me say? You were saying that you would be... Uh, he seems to be a little sensitive, but you would be surprised, I think you were going to say. Yes, I would be surprised if... <laughs> um. If if you think he didn't get more comfortable now, now that now that D'Antoni is gone, there was clearly a rift. Not a, maybe not a rift, but a difference in philosophy. And I think Carmelo was 
you know, try, at at the not wanting to throw his coach under the bus. So he was trying to force the system, but he overplayed it, I think. And now he's free to kind of play his game a little bit more. And I I also think that Jeremy Lin will also be able to I just use also twice. I hate I hate when people do that. Oh, damn it. As well. Completely distracted now. Jeremy Lin as well. Jeremy Lin will be able to adapt to what Woodson is going to do better than what Carmelo Carmelo trying to adapt to what D'Antoni was trying to do. I think. I I think you're spot on on all of this. And I think the idea that Carmelo was trying so hard not to screw up Linsanity and trying so hard to like fit into it that he did abandon his game. Mm-hmm. He seemed to abandon and it also happened that Lynn uh, the way Jeremy Lynn was playing the point and 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 that fit in with D'Antoni's system. And so Carmelo's facing that uh Carmelo Anthony's facing that on two fronts. One, he doesn't want to screw up insanity, which is a worldwide phenomenon. He doesn't want to be the guy who's known as, you know, uh, the, the the guy who killed it. And two, I think D'Antoni uh, when Jeremy Lin came on, saw like, oh, there's my point guard. I'm going to turn him into Steve Nash, and my system's finally going to work here. Mm-hmm. And almost like D'Antoni was like, and Carmelo, don't screw this up, you know. And then like it it, it hit a head. Uh, it came to a head the other night when he sat uh, Carmelo in the fourth quarter against the Sixers, and uh, there was no way the two were were going to be able to coexist anymore. So I think a move had to be made, but. You know, the final thing on this, Bri, I, I asked you this before. I, I didn't get a full answer. But does any of this happen if Jeremy Lin never emerges? I, I mean, do, does this rift that obviously did come up, it was a rift, you know, between Carmelo and D'Antoni, does it happen this season if Jeremy Lin doesn't emerge the way he emerged, the way it's like the biggest thing in the world that we even talked about? Yeah, I I think it would have happened because I think that it was bubbling under the surface anyway. You got to remember he's been with the team for about a year now, Carmelo, and they weren't they haven't been successful with Carmelo and D'Antoni on the same team. So I think I think it would have happened. Also, by now Baron Davis has come back, so you would have had the point guard that D'Antoni wants, and it just would have been you know instead of it being Jeremy Lin and eh, Baron Davis may not have been as dynamic as Jeremy Lin was for a couple of weeks, but he would have played like the traditional point guard in D'Antoni's system that he wants, and Carmelo wouldn't have been getting the ball as much anyway. So I think this all would have come to a head regardless of Jeremy Lin. Yeah, that's fair. I've that's got a fair. point. I got a question for you, though. I wanted to get your opinion on something. I was reading an article by Stephen A. Smith uh, <laughs> about the Knicks. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I know. Uh it was a, it was actually a good article. It was a good article and and it was basically about how D'Antoni lost the team and and he was so inflexible that he refused to bend in a couple of different areas. One was he tried to force his no defense initiative on the team. <laughs> um his bad, agenda. bad bumper sticker. Uh but the but the the one that really struck Tony, me, the no defense initiative. The one that really struck me, and I wanted your opinion on this, is Stephen A. Smith 
seem to believe that D'Antoni refused to understand how to pacify his superstars. Meaning, D'Antoni's system uh, is all about sharing the ball and equally distributing the points and the touches. And when you've got two superstars on the team in Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire, you need to be able to adapt to that and try to pacify the superstars because they, they make a lot of money. They've got huge egos. They're going to need more than their share. They're going to need more of a share of the ball than the rest of the team. Now, my first thought was like, that's crazy. Why do you have to pacify the superstars? It's a team. But then I always thought back to one of Phil Jackson's greatest strengths. And one of his greatest strengths was, was being able to manage superstars and egos. And I wanted your opinion on, on Stephen A. Smith's take on that. Like, do you think – and, and take it basketball and sports in general. Do you think it's really important for a coach or a manager to be able to have that ability to pacify superstars? And is pacifying superstars the, the wrong way to say it? I'll, I'll take basketball first. I think in the case of the Knicks – there is something to that because under D'Antoni, they D'Antoni, they played their best basketball in the two weeks that their two star players were out. Right. Okay. So Jeremy Lin's emergence, the seven out of you know seven in a row, eight out of nine, Lin's sanity, all of it happened with a undrafted rookie point guard from Harvard. Uh, being the star of the show, and some kid from Marquette, who is a real good three-point shooter, and quality minutes out of, like, Jared Jeffries. So you could make the argument that he's right uh, to a certain extent, and that the, the, the Knicks had their greatest success this season and greatest success under Dan Tony, their best run, even if it was only eight or nine games, with their two superstars not playing. It's true. So it's, it does speak to maybe his system is not geared towards the superstar. Maybe it's geared towards uh, a distributor like Nash and some really good role players. And maybe one guy who's a borderline superstar in Amari, you know, but, um, but not to have two big-time scorers. Carmelo Anthony, you know, when he's at his uh, – the peak of his powers is a top-five NBA scorer, mm-hmm. right? So there's some, that's not a bad point. Stephen A. You know, you didn't have to do it with all the adjectives that nobody uses. <laughs> well, Clyde Frazier. But uh, to the greater, the overall sports question, I think there absolutely is something to that. Uh, and and my, my example would be Joe Torrey. I mean, my example would be Joe Torrey's greatest strength to me as a manager uh, let's face it; it wasn't in game. Okay, no. I mean he got outmanaged in you know three or four series in a row. Mike Sosha owned him. You know, uh, guys, uh, other managers owned him in series. It certainly wasn't on the field. That's true. Leland, Leland absolutely outmanaged him. It was being able to. I hate using the word pacify, but it's 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 that's that's I think that that's where I'm getting caught up on it. Too. Yeah, I, I don't know if pacify is the. Uh, I I think manage is a better word. 
is just manage your superstar players and keep them happy and be able to communicate with them, have them communicate. I mean, I think Tori's the greatest example of this mm-hmm. uh, in that that was his strength, you know, to keep Jeter and to keep Clemens and Pettit and uh, Bernie Williams and, and Posada and, you know, divas and superstars and A-Rod and, you know, be able to manage all these egos and these superstars um, is this, is a skill. Is, and you, you do have to do it if that's the team you're dealt. You know, Phil Jackson was always masterful at doing it. Um, but, the, but the, you know, the key ingredient there too, Bri, is that you win. Because you, know well, you, know, you know what superstars buy into? They buy into winning. You know, and Joe Torre, once he wasn't able to win, eh, the superstars started to grumble a little bit. That's a very good point. You know, and Phil Jackson, what does he do? He wins. You know, if Mike D'Antoni won a championship last year, not that he was going to with the personnel he had, but even if they made a deep run in the playoffs, you know, and they went to the, the conference finals or something like that, oh, all of a sudden the superstars don't have a problem with this system because they're winning. So, yeah, do you have to manage or pacify uh, superstars to a certain extent? I think that's a skill. Absolutely. I think certain guys' systems in the NBA are not meant for it. I think certain managers in baseball are not meant for it. I, I don't know if I could ever see – what do you think, Brian? Can you ever see Mike Social managing the Yankees? Um, Doesn't seem like a fit to me. Maybe not. Bobby Valentine would be a fit. Bobby Valentine's, you know, he's just the greatest. I know. When you've invented the person. game, Brian. No, but you were absolutely right. Bobby Valentine's a great fit because Bobby Valentine is a bigger ego than any of his egos. Well, how about and, and speaking of inventing the game, how about Tony Larusa? Could Tony Larusa have managed those Yankee teams? I don't think so. I don't think so. And you can make an argument he had the greatest superstar, you know, uh, the biggest superstar in baseball. But he had one. But who else did he have? Chris Carpenter. Right. I mean, come on. Matt Holiday. Yeah. Exactly. Matt Holliday is no one no one's idea of a prima donna. Could Bobby Cox have managed the Yankees? Yes. I'm firmly convinced, but well Bobby Cox had stars there. I well that's my point. That's you know, he he where, he was he falls into the Tory category except he was also a great game manager. So if you so I'm taking Bobby Cox over almost anybody, Brian. I really I really if you if you pressed me for a list of my top five managers of the last 50 years or or better since I've been watching baseball he's easily one or two easily hey give me your list of the top five managers of the last 30 years Steve <laughs> I'm pressing you give me five you don't even you don't even have to put them in order just give me five that you my, my five yeah Cox Sosha David Johnson, because it's emotional. Uh huh. Do you want my five, or or can I help you give you your five? Well, let's do five together. Want to do five together? Let's do five together. Do you do you disagree with any of the first three that I've thrown out there? Who did you give me? Cox, Sosha, David Johnson. I probably disagree with David Johnson. Yeah, it's emotional. I could probably find better than that. We can take them off. That's fine. Tom Kelly. That's a 
great call. It's a great call. All he did was win. That's it. I tell you what, can we can we just take Kelly and Garden hire together? <laughs> can we just put Kelly. them together? Kelly hire. Kelly. <laughs> Garden Kelly. Can Garden we just Kelly? put them? Can we just put them together? I think I think you got to put Kelly on that list. I think you have to put Jim Leland on that list. Mm, Jim Leland, so good. I think you put Cox, and then you put Art Howe. I think you put Sosha, <laughs> and you call it a day. <laughs> we battled, Cal. Uh, one more. Cox, Sosha, Kelly, Kelly, Leland. Leland. Give me your fifth. Doctor. I love Bobby V. You know I do. Oh, I I love him too, but I, I, I don't think he can do it. I gotta put I'd put Garden higher then. I think you, I think you have to put Larusa. Uh, I guess you do. You do. I hate, oh, I no, you do. Much. You do. I mean, we're, we're, look what we're doing. We're putting Cox and Larusa on this list. <laughs> on this list. <laughs> this, would, this would be also be on our most hated manager list. Right, but we're fair. That's the same list, though. It is the same list. <laughs> it's essentially the same list, except Leland. I love Leland. Yeah, I like so I, the, the hatred is gone from the Pittsburgh days of the nineties. From the well, we also we also hate Sosha. I don't hate Sosha. We hate Sosha from the '88 playoffs. Oh yes, as a player, as a player, don't hate him as a manager. Hate him as a player. Oh yeah. Oh, can't stand him. But just hit the, hit one of the most damaging home runs in Met history against the Mets. He turned that series around. That series was over. Yes, he did. Series was over. Ah, uh, which brings me to NFL free agency. I'm sorry I got off on a tangent. <laughs> no, not at all. That's what the, the show is. The tangent show. It's the tangent show. <laughs> Ready to tangent with Cal and Sam Pate. With tangent and tangent. With tangent and tangent. And their Six. producer. <laughs> and their producer tangential. <laughs> the bishop. The bishop tangent. Uh, that's enough about the Bishop Tangent. Let's take it in another direction. Uh, hey. Oh. I see what you did. Hey, NFL free agency. No, just real quick. Mario Williams. Now, you. Uh, so you've seen what the Tampa Bay Bucks have spent, correct? Hmm. Right? Like on the first day, they threw like $40 million out, right? Yeah. And now the Bills have signed Mario Williams to a, what, like six-year, $100 million deal, $50 million guaranteed. Is that correct? Yeah, it was, I, think, I thought it was like six for 91 or something. Right. But. Now, now you, so Scott, who we had on last week, who's a, who's a great NFL fan and a great fan in general, but Scott pays attention to these things. You know what he said? And especially because he's a hockey fan too. What did he say? Cap floor. Buffalo. There's a cap floor next year in the NFL. So that's why teams like Buffalo and Tampa Bay, traditionally not big spenders, are going hot and, and who have $40 million of cap room this year. I think Tampa Bay may have had 60, are going hog wild this year, so they'll be at the cap floor next year and they won't have to do anything. All right. That makes a lot of sense, right? Doesn't it? I was like, "What?" And Tampa Bay has improved themselves a ton. I mean, they they they've their signings have been very good as well. Yes, 
for what they what they got Nicks, right? They got Carl Nicks. They got uh, uh Vincent Jackson. Vincent Jack right. V Jacks. V Jacks. Uh, and and of course the Bills signing Mario Williams. So their signings have been very good, but did the Bills sign uh, Bob, uh, Robert Meacham, too? Bobby o- uh, Bob O'Reilly? Yes, they did. Bobby Meacham. Bobby Meacham. <laughs> the shortstop for the Yankees? Yeah, he's back. It, I can never see that name and not think of the shortstop for the Yankees. Ever. Bobby Meacham. It's Robert Meacham is the wide receiver, is it not? It is Robert Meacham. It also took me a really long time before I rem- I realized that Kurt Warner was a white quarterback and not a uh, an African-American running back. That's correct. Played for the Seattle Seahawks. From Penn State. Right. Took a long time. Number no. twenty, number 28 in your programs, by the way. Yes, he was. Penn State's own Kurt Warner. Uh, so there's been a lot of movement these last couple of days, and conspicuous by their lack of activity, and every day it gets pointed out that they have done nothing the New York Jets. Yep. Panic at the disco. Not doing it. When are we going to do something? The Giants won the Super Bowl. We're just sitting there. And then you had it. You had another like militant wing of that, of that though too, Cal. Which was the Giants didn't do anything last year. Everybody ripped on them, and they won the Super Bowl. That's right. what we're doing. Right. Right. So right. you have. Uh, the Giants have reinvented the model. Like, don't do anything and well, get ripped on. T- to be fair, the Packers the year before also didn't sign any free agents. So there might be something to that model. <laughs> right. Look, when it comes to the uh, – first of all, the Giants have done a nice job. They addressed the tight end position with Marcellus Bennett, who I think could actually be a real good tight end if he wasn't behind Jason Witten. Um, the Giants are just doing their thing, just quietly. Now, they're going to lose a lot of guys. Because, like, yeah. like the Jets two years ago, they have 21 free agents. Right. Now, Brandon Trent. Jacobs is gone already. Right. They signed back Terrell Thomas. They're going to let Aaron uh, Aaron Ross go. So they made the decision between Terrell Thomas and Aaron Ross. Terrell Thomas coming off an injury. Uh, but they're going to let Aaron Ross go. They have to cut ties with a lot of guys. OCU Manure is going to have to go at some point. Because they're not going to be able to pay him, and and the, and the Giants also only have about like six million dollars under the cap, right? So, but they've done, you know, they signed Marcellus Bennett for a one-year deal, which for like one point or two point five, like some very affordable. Um, but the Jets have not signed anybody. They they re-signed uh, Sione Puha, which was a great signing right before free agency. Puha, thank you. Uh, they're apparently interested in Jericho Cotri, bringing back Jericho Cotri, which we all, I think, would agree is a great move. I think that interest might be mutual, too. Yeah. Well, Cal, you know what I'm in favor of. I know Just, exactly. You want to get the band back together. I want the band back together, baby. Let's get back in the bus. Let's start doing uh, Let's uh, the flight crew. Can we get? Can I wear my flight crew T-shirt again? Of course you can. Number 10, number 17, and number 89. Can I get it? There's something to that, though, because they went to two AFC championship games with that group. Well, one. One. I'm sorry. Cause one, and a, one and a half, because Braylon was there for the, for the first one. But he was he was there for the second one, too. Yes. And so was Cotri. And so was Holmes, Cotri. Holmes, was Holmes there. wasn't there. That's right. So two-thirds of the uh, the band uh, were there. And, and uh, you know, Antonio Cromartie, did you see his tweet, Cal? No. 
Antonio Cromartie has been playing like GM the last few days. So like he said, uh, uh, Merriweather's uh, coverage skills are questionable. Bring in Nelson. Okay. And then he said today, uh, Braylon Edwards said, uh, tweeted that he's going to grow the beard back, but he's not sure where he's going to take it. And so like a bunch of people tweeted, oh, take it back to the Jets, take it back to the Jets, blah, blah, blah. And then Cromartie tweeted to him, take it back to the Jets, bro. It's a win. It's a win-win. Come back home. You 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 come back here, and Sanchez has a guy he's comfortable with. Like Cromartie, Cromartie actively recruiting Braylon Edwards. There's something to that, though. There is to the, to the Sanchez thing. I agree. His interview today, Sanchez's interview today, by the way, with Kay, Cal, Magnus. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Ma- would you be able to listen to that in like podcast form just to listen to the interview? No. Oh, come on. No, what I could do is read it. I could read a transcript of that. I could not listen to it. I respect your... uh, Couldn't do it. You are just really steadfast in this. That that one, I will will not bend on that. And uh, bro and entitlement. (laughs) I wouldn't... wouldn't, That's the other one. Broningo and uh, and Evan Entitlement, right? That, I, those, those Entitlement, Entitlement Roberts. <laughs> uh, two shows I will never listen to again. Can't do it. Sorry. Sanchez, who signed a three-year extension, which is a, a basically a restructuring, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Mike Florio from Pro, Pro Football Weekly, who's no fan of the Jets, uh, called it a restructuring. It's just a glorified restructuring that freed up $6.5 million of cap room for the Jets this year. The last three years of the deal are not guaranteed anymore. So basically, they guaranteed him $2.5 million more to be able to cut him in two years if it's not working. Right. Gosh, I really hope this kid works out, Cal. He's just such a good kid. I mean, he just said all the right things. He He even took back not took back, but he he admitted he phrased it poorly last week about the leadership and the contract, and and he got taken to task after he signed the extension for saying this shows that you know the team that I'm a leader, and he got ripped everywhere. He did get ripped. Money doesn't show that. Blah 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 blah. You know you got to earn leadership. All this crap, and, and fine. And he even admitted today, he said, you know what? I phrased that poorly. They're right. Money does not buy me any leadership. I need to show it on the field and in the locker room, and I'm going to do that. And this kid just – he gets every aspect of it except the throwing the ball to linebackers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or throwing the ball to a lineman. It's just it's so, so unfortunate how important that is. You got a flush last year, Cal. Flush it. You, that's what you've been saying. You can't take his performance, Sanchez's performance, at the end of last year seriously because his confidence was shot. He was with an offensive coordinator who was terrible. His receivers had turned on him. Uh, basically, you, you, that performance against Miami, you were looking at a shot quarterback. Shot. Yeah. No, you're right. You got to flush it. I'm going to go ahead and say it, too, like a jazz musician, like a – like a you know forties like you gotta flush it. That cat that cat didn't know up or down. That cat didn't know left from right. You gotta flush it. Hmm. Flush that season, Cal. Flush it. In the key of Z. 
<laughs> it's Kid Imada. Flush it. What are you, Skeet Coltrane? I I am a uh, <laughs> scat aristocrat. Flush it. Flush it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You got to flush it. Um, NFL and, has been magnificent. Let's let's uh, before we move on. Or the last thing on the on the free agency, and I I, I do want to correct myself. Um, Robert Meacham did not sign with Buffalo; he signed with the Chargers. With the Chargers, right? I made a mistake on that. I apologize. And the Redskins um, have signed everybody and their brother and traded up to get RG three. Well, for the right to select him, yes. Can't wait for the draft, Brian. It's going to be fun. Can't wait. Now Peyton Manning. Yes, I'm familiar with his work. You were talking about this last week, and before they were even brought into play here, you had um, you had suggested that Tennessee would be the perfect landing spot for Peyton Manning. Seemed to make sense. It seemed to make sense at the time. Lo and behold, Tennessee is like hot on the trail of Peyton Manning right now. They are. So, uh, Sam Pete Stradamus might have <laughs> really, uh, I think, and I, and I'm pretty sure I heard it somewhere too. I mean, with the amount of, uh, sports media that I consume, I'm sure well, I, I heard it in passing, whatever, but you probably, you, you could have heard him to all 32 teams though. You know, that's not, I mean, I, I, I think I heard it. It just made sense and it does make sense. It, it makes sense because he's a living legend in Tennessee. I mean, they were they were singing the Vol song to him, right? When they, when he was meeting with them the other day, when he came out of the meeting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that makes the most sense. I think then if if he does wind up there, um, then you uh, have Flynn going to Miami, right? So the Dolphins then have to make a huge play for Matt Flynn, right? And that makes sense too because the offensive coordinator from you know. Uh, the Packers is, is with the Dolphins. I mean, it, it just makes sense. But how strange that the Dolphins went and traded Brandon Marshall and are not going to wind up with Peyton Manning, who wanted Marshall traded. Yeah, but I, think that, I don't think they were upset about him wanting Marshall traded. I mean, I think they had had their fill of Brandon Marshall. And I think with the new GM and the new head coach, and I think everybody wins there. Okay. They're going to need a wide receiver, though. Yeah, they can draft one. <laughs> you know, I just, I just, you <laughs> I have to, I have to talk about that. Your, your pat answer to every team needing somebody is, well, there's still a draft, isn't there? Well, but that's because you, you keep bringing up stuff for the Jets about free agency and not getting Peyton Manning. This was the point. You said, well, they have other holes to fill, you know, and free and and Peyton Manning would have taken up a great deal of their resources. Yeah, that's true, but where are they going to fill those holes in free agency? Right. I mean, there, there's not much out there. There's Mario Williams for a hundred million dollars. They obviously weren't going to do that. Yeah, but there there's no Mario Williams in the draft. Right, but I'm I'm saying they have 15 million under the cap. That's that's depth. They need to bring the Jets need to bring in depth. That was that was their big problem last year. They, they had need to depth. get a starter or two out of it for sure. And they're they're bringing in uh, the Nelson kid, the safety from Cincinnati. But yes, I was putting a lot of 
trapped. You, you, every, that was my pat answer. It was. And it was like every time we suggested something, it was like, well, this is the draft. Or, no, it was more like they draft, don't they? They do have a draft, don't they? <laughs> I guess they have a draft. I love how priggish I was about it. It was like, you know, re- do they really need to make Braylon Edwards their top priority? They, 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 he's, he's going to rush the passer? Well, they, they have a draft. It just stems from the fact that they should make Braylon Edwards their first priority. Top priority, right. Yeah, that's put all their eggs in the Braylon Edwards. <laughs> no, they're looking at uh, Chaz Shillins. Chaz Shillins. What's the connection with Chaz Shillins? The wide receiver oh, coach. Sanjay Lal. Sanjay Lal. Was the wide receiver coach for the Raiders. Now he's the wide receiver coach for the Jets. And... You know, Chaz uh, Shillings is a guy who hasn't picked him up in fantasy football. I mean, I think we've all danced with him over the last two or three years. It's true. He always, has, he always has one good game when he's on the free agent wire, and then somebody picks him up. I've picked him up. I mean, he's six four two twenty five, runs a four three. What could go wrong? Oh, that's it. He can't stay on the field. That's right. Right. Um, but I, I'm interested to see if they get the safety, uh, the Nelson kid. I think that would be a great pickup. I think they just need to acquire depth, Bry. They need to acquire depth and use this. You know, the, you got to save about five or six million for the draft, for their draft picks. Right. So you're looking at about nine or ten million to spend. Bring in depth, okay? Bring in guys that are that are going to buy into the system that you can use as role players, and or a starter or two. You know, get a starting safety. Um, maybe you sign Jim Leonard back in May then, you know, maybe you move Eric Smith to, to the other safety spot, but no, no. Well, he's under contract. He's not going anywhere. I know, but he, but he's the guy that you'd like as the depth. You don't want him as the right. starter. Right. That's a good point. He's what about art though, Bri? He is, I know. <laughs> I know. He's really, really, really bright. What, um, what about on the offensive line? Now there's a lot of talk that now that Mario Williams is in the division, you're really going to need somebody to to protect Sanchez. Is there anybody out there that they could they could bring in? I think I think the play no. I mean not really. I think they want to give Vlad Dukas a chance to win the right tackle job. Yeah, that's a tough that's a tough spot for him. It is, but how much of a difference is Ferrano's offense going to make? That the you know Callahan's uh, and Schottenheimer's offense is not there anymore with the zone blocking protections. Uh, Sperano's is much more of a straight up, go hit the guy in front of you, be physical uh, uh, sort of offensive uh, blocking scheme. Maybe Dukas fits that better. I don't know. I mean, we're we're not in on practice. Uh, what I do know about Vlad Dukas and and Wayne Hunter is that they've been pylons. <laughs> you know, they've know. they've been the thing you run around to go kill the quarterback. See, the other thing that I saw. What about a guy like Eric Winston from Houston? They, Houston let go Wait, of failed him. The physical, failed the physical. He so failed. The, so there's got to be something wrong there, Brian. Well, he had he had surgery on his ankle. They said he's going to be ready in two weeks. The, the talk was that if he would have had this surgery back in January, they he'd already be fine. Right. I mean, Eric Winston is a guy. He's a you know he's consistently he doesn't didn't miss a game for in in five years. I think he's just. I think they're just laying low. I don't think they want to spend the money there. I think they think they have their guys. But they got to spend the money. They got the money to spend. They can't spend it all on the draft. Can they? No, no, no. They, they. I think they. I think you know they want to acquire safeties. They want to acquire 
uh, you know, depth on the offensive line. I don't think they're looking at a guy like Winston. I think they're looking mm. at, you know, uh, lesser guys. I just, I just think back to last year, and one of the biggest problems with this team was that offensive line that didn't give Sanchez yeah. protection. But you're right. Now with Sperano's system, it's a lot different than Schottenheimer's. It well, might be also, right. And also, bro, they had 19 free agents. Yeah. 19 free agents going from the 11 and 5 AFC Championship game season to the 8 and 8 disaster. Right, and Nine a lockout situation and a lockout. So, all right. So we, we, you know what? I want to bring PJ back in here and talk about this Taekwondo thing because, uh, and we could talk about the Mets next week. We got plenty of time. Although, go at that net. Dasha, Uja, Ego. Your son. Yeah, your son takes the taekwondo, doesn't he? He is very good at it. He is one of the youngest uh, high brown belts in the state. He might even achieve his black belt by November. Black belt? Yeah. He's like seven. Hence, the the, the youngest in the state. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me Danny's going to be a black belt in Taekwondo at the age of seven? I started him three weeks before his third birthday because he was such, and you remember this, he was such an enormous ball of energy that I didn't know what to do with him sometimes. So I said, maybe with Taekwondo, uh, I can get some help focusing the kid. And it worked like a charm. And now he's kicking ass and taking names. He will take a few names. Wow. Um, we we do have to mention. Can we just mention the bear thing, Cal? Did you see the Terry Collins interview? Something something about a friend who used to wrestle a bear. Pete, you'll love this. The other day in in Mets camp, uh, you know, as every Met player is getting hurt day after day, and it's just like their manager, the. Uh, Irascible Terry Collins, very excitable, uh, little scrapper, sixty-five-year-old or whatever, he is, sixty-four-year-old little. I tell you what, I love this game, kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Got really pissed off, like had just had it with the injuries and stuff. It's like you know, I tell you what, you, you need an aspirin around here. You get a day off. And so they were asking him about it after the game when he had sort of calmed down. They asking him about his tirade. <laughs> the guys on the mostly Mets blog. Uh, kill this cow. They they did a really good job. Uh, Ted Berg and Toby Hyde and Patrick Flood, those guys on mostly Mets on SNY TV. They they killed it. If you want to listen to this, you got to listen to the, their podcast. But uh huh, he just like dropped in the middle of a press conference. He was talking about uh, losing patience, and he said, "You know, I, I got to go home and just let my wife beat me up, and then I'll get my patience back." Okay. And then he and then he dropped this one. I had a friend who had a bear, a, a pet bear. And when things would you know sort of get really bad, he would jump in the cage with the bear and let the bear beat him up. And then you know he sort of figured out what was going on. So uh, next question. Like that was it. Like Clear your head. He, he but he dropped that like so many questions. Yeah. Like everybody's got a friend that wrestles a bear, a pet bear, a pet a, a Not pet just bear. bear, right? They're pet bear. 
He used to just jump in there. Just he just dropped this like he was saying. Uh, oh, and by the way, I had like a sausage and uh, egg and cheese uh, for breakfast today too. Right? <laughs> like he just dropped it in there in the middle of nowhere. Like I would have, I I I would have stood up and been like, "Time out! I'm sorry, Terry. So many questions. Can we just go back to the bear thing?" Yeah, I gravitate towards people like that. I would <laughs> find it hard not to start hanging out with that guy. That's right. Like I want to hang out with Terry Collins now. Right. He's got, I, you know, once you hear that story, I want to hear all your stories. <laughs> Tell me the story about the bear again. <laughs> Let's you, hear about all your friends. I bet right. all your friends are interesting. Right. Um, so anyway, we, we'll we'll talk about the Mets and the trial, which is supposed to start on the 19th. And um, and it. it the fact that Judge Rakoff decided that the burden of proof he was going to use the bankruptcy court rules instead of the Southern District of New York rules is huge. It's huge that the burden of proof is actually on the defense, not on the plaintiffs uh, for the Wilpon and the Madoff case and all that crap. Uh, let's just hope they sell the team. But this story, <laughs> this Taekwondo story killed me. Was it in New Zealand? It was New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, Peach, what do you make of this? You had to love... I sent this to you today. You had to love this. I think Taekwondo makes you a go-getter. It makes you fearless. Gives you confidence. And... uh, Let's you run an escort. That kid's just living it right there. (laughs) Started a brothel to pay his way into the Olympics. Come on. So you you fully endorse this sort of industrious nature? Certainly. I love this. I, I think $250,000 he raised. <laughs> well, it was a high-class escort service, Cal. I know, but... High-class. None of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was none of that. There was none of that. High-class. Um, sp- spared no expense. Right. I... Here's- you want you want the best you want the best part about this though. Yes. The best part. And uh and his name is Logan Campbell. Uh Logan Campbell told uh the newspaper in New Zealand that he took up the sport after watching the karate kid. <laughs> sure. That that's why he uh he became into taekwondo. He took up the sport after watching the karate kid as a child which they think is truly awesome. Also, he says he wasn't a pimp. No. No. So those are your two your two thoughts about Logan Campbell. There's your t- there's your takeaways. And and just to sum up again, this is a guy who is a uh, uh into taekwondo, wanted to go to the Olympics, right? To to be an Olympic. But it was underfunded by his country. Underfunded by his country so to compete in the taekwondo in the Olympics. He started an escort service. Now, where did he get the girls? Like, how do you just decide to start it? I mean, I couldn't do that tomorrow. There'd have to be a lot of a lot of legwork and reconnaissance going on. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, Pete, you're you're a pretty uh, industrious guy. Like, uh, <laughs> would you be able to just uh, whip up an escort service tomorrow? I know some people who work in the porn industry. Oh and boy. They are never without new talent. 
but we're not talking about the porn industry. I'm talking about running a call girl service, like a high end call girl. That's service. only a few degrees off. Says you. <laughs> it did take him three years, Steve, to raise the two hundred fifty. Yeah. Raise the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, two thousand nine. So you basically, you basically like to start with one or two girls. I, I just want to know how this works. And Stop and of course, the paper. Right. This is all in the Olympic spirit, is it not, guys? This is I a did. form of this is a form of national pride. He it's never ancient. took his eyes off the prize. When he got this much money, he could have turned around and said, ah, screw the Olympics. I'm loaded now. <laughs> but he didn't do that. It's so He's great. Like, All right, I got my money now. I'm going to go be in the Olympics. That's right. I think that's tremendous. And he's his own, you know, enforcer because he's into Taekwondo. So, like, right. he didn't even need to hire, like, a, you know, a bodyguard or anything. That's right. If he needed. Shakes. I mean, this guy is his own enterprise. He's like a brilliant, he's like a completely self, uh, self-contained self entity. Like he needs to go shake somebody down for money? He knows Taekwondo. That's really not a problem. And he's going to win. That's what couple. I've got Danny doing, by the way. <laughs> Shakedown. <laughs> we go door to door and do Shakedown. Because no, no, no one suspects. Right, no one suspects the seven-year-old to be coming for the money. Next thing you know, you're in a leg lock. You don't know what hits you. <laughs> is he? Is he? You know, fighting against other kids or any of that jazz? Um, once they achieve their brown belt, they introduce sparring. So it was all moves and forms um, for the first couple of belts, and then at the top levels here. Um, so is he? Is sparring. he? Is, is he kicking other seven year olds' ass? Um, he's taking down fifth graders. <laughs> what grade is he in? First. <laughs> now, how about that? How about that fifth grader who has to go back to his other fifth grade friends after getting his, you know, getting it handed to him by a first grader? No, well, I wouldn't don't it, think so. Wouldn't it motivate the fifth grader then to to maybe Ex- do a little better next time to start an escort service? There's yeah. not that there's not that much <laughs> ego in the room, believe it or not. I mean, that's one of the great things about it. If 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 you have really good instructors, um, there's not much ego. I see. There's not much ego about it. They're they're not they're they're not there to learn to beat beat each other up. They're there to build themselves up, and it's uh, it's great. And then they, you know, then they just have wicked speed and tremendous control over their body. That you know, they do stuff I certainly can't do. Wow. Magnificent. And not expected out of your your son, Peach. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> I just didn't I just it's just not something I would have thought that you, you would have expected a couch potato that plays guitar. No, I, I could see you know, no. I would have no. expected like a kid to be unbelievably proficient at guitar or unbelievably proficient at piano or something like that. Like, Taekwondo was not high on the list of what I would say one of your children would be unbelievably proficient at. Not, not, not for any other reason that I wouldn't think you would get them into it. Well, most people were very shocked that I, of all people, took the kid, uh, you know, to Taekwondo. And I thought of it. They're like, really? 
you? Like, aren't you against that? I was like, no, that's not my, you know. Everybody thinks they know me. Uh, Cal wants I to pro- say something I, here, but it, it looks like he's bursting. Cause say it, just say it. Say it, say it all. What What are you against? <laughs> Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu? I would not have signed him up for Pee um, Wee football. You would sign him up for Pee Wee football? No, I don't. I don't like the team sports at that level because it's full of insane parents and coaches, where He's they right really that. kill. Yeah, that's fair. Kids. Yeah. Um, they they really put them through a lot of stress. And that's where there is an overabundance of ego building and ego shredding. And I think that's it's fair. terrible for kids. Plus, they get hurt. Um, I like the individual stuff. The stuff that you might see, mm-hmm. let's say, at an Olympiad. Or at a brothel. I'm not going <laughs> to push Danny towards starting a brothel. I don't think so. <laughs> or out of the guy who's in the brothel. He's got the brains to run one. I will, I will, I will say that. Yeah, we we would never see him in an octagon, right? Like like a, like a Ultimate Fighting. Yeah, like mixed martial arts. That's too no. violent. Yeah. He's well, now he's, he's he's seven. Yeah, but I mean, he's not a violent kid. He's 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 not looking for a fight. I mean, you know, if someone gave his sister a hard time, Danny might throw him down a sewer. But <laughs> and sue her? <laughs> throw him <laughs> down and sue her? So he's litigious as well. <laughs> the sewer. He'd lift the sewer lid, throw the kid down, close the sewer lid, walk away, and say something clever. <laughs> Like, just took out the trash or something like that. <laughs> so he's Schwarzenegger, is what you're saying. Well, you get a lot of lines like that from the Ninja Turtles movies, too. Right. <laughs> Taekwondo lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing Phil Hartman. <laughs> I'm just a caveman. <laughs> I, I'm, when I'm sitting in first class on one of your airplanes, I don't know if it's going to fall out of the sky when I order another scotch. I'm just a caveman. I, I have a relative, um, a, a distant relative, who um, pulled his kid out of Taekwondo, and we asked him why. And he said uh, it was too international. I didn't like it. Wow. It's Taekwondo. What do you mean? Well, they make them salute the Korean flag. Oh, boy. Come on. Oh, boy. Yeah. First, I'm going to beat you up, and then I'm going to take you for everything you got. Taekwondo lawyer. (laughs) I object (laughs) to your use of martial arts. <laughs> the defense rests <laughs> on your head. <laughs> You're trying that move on me? Overruled. <laughs> Taekwondo lawyer. You're being silly now. I am being silly. All right, let's wrap it up, boys. Let's wrap it up. Now we're just getting silly. Um, so what have we learned here? 
you can start an F- escort service to go to the Olympics. Sure. And I love that. That's the Olympic dream. That guy should carry the torch into the freaking stadium. With with two girls on his arm, wearing like a fur jacket. <laughs> PJ Final Online. Well, speaking of wearing fur, I want to thank Ted Nugent for joining us tonight. <laughs> I hope he goes and kills something real hairy. Cow Final Unload. When people think of a pimp, they think of a guy standing around on a street corner with gold chains. Pimps are more tough guy types. I'm an owner of an escort agency. Well said, Logan Campbell. Well said. I'm not even going to try one. That's all the time we have. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, for Ready to Unload, episode 3, Doc 10. We'll see you all next week on the 22nd live. Check us out on iTunes. Uh, search Ready to Unload and download the podcast. Uh, thanks, guys. I love you. Talk to you next week. All right. Night, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.